0: You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was Add 10 Gallons? Add 10 Gallons?
1: My first thought was, we got to put oxygen (laughs) on it. Yeah, great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Truck's
3: Truck's on the way. (laughs) On the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay, I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. (laughs) 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 Which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems on a job site that
0: can't be solved with a sack full of biscuits.
1: Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by ActiGel 208. ActiGel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now, in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, ActiGel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, ActiGel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let ActiGel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at acti That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L dot com.
2: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We are back to our regularly scheduled program here with the 18th episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. We've been to Canada for weeks, came home, we went out to the Wharf of Concrete, saw and, and conquered everything there was to see out there. And now we're finally back. We're back in the studio. We're back to having an actual scheduled guest and we're back to the original format. And we're back to having the guys here with me. Uh, Paul, what's going on, man?
0: Oh, man, I enjoyed our uh, World of Concrete wrap-up video, so I uh, hope everybody's checked that out. And, uh, and I like how you, you list <laughs> your recent ongoings. That you skipped right over all the customer trials we did yeah. <laughs> in between that. Like, that's not the the biggest, most important part of our job. We're just like, yeah, we're everywhere, whatever. Here we
1: are. Let's roll. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. That's right. Joey, uh, what's it like being home and, and being back to the regular grind?
1: It's good uh, being home. I didn't have
2: to go to Canada for
1: a month like you guys, but if you go to Las Vegas for most of a week, that's, that's good enough for me. I'm glad to be home after that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's been a lot of fun, uh, but it's been uh, a little bit over a month since we've had an actual scheduled guest on the podcast. Colin Lobo was the last one we had. uh, And now for this episode 18, we have Adam O'Reilly from Multicrete. So, Uh, We'll get into his interview here later, but first we got some stuff to touch up on uh, some current events and some things that are are happening in the landscape of the concrete industry. So one last time, we're going to talk about trade shows once again and and committee meetings and so on and so forth are happening in person again. So we just got back from water concrete and coming up in October in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia, the ACI is going to have their in-person convention.
0: That's good. I'm glad to hear that uh, other people are coming back in person. It's, it's open this country wide up.
2: Yep, yep. We're getting back to it. October 17th through the 21st at the Atlanta, downtown Atlanta Hilton, the ACI Concrete Convention will be in person and like nothing ever happened. Yeah, well, uh, some of us
0: on this call here are going to be uh, in Indonesia. Well, maybe not in October. August. Uh, yeah, August, maybe September. We'll be in Indonesia, so yeah, I guess we'll be back in time for ACL.
2: Solid, yeah. Well, yours truly is supposed to get married on October 4th of this year, so you know, if i got to go to Indonesia, I might just have to push that wedding back another year. No big deal. (laughs) I've been dragging my feet for a decade now, so what's another year?
0: (laughs) And Joey thought he was going to have a hard time convincing his wife he needed to go to Indonesia for three weeks. (laughs) You're supposed to get married. Yeah.
2: Hey, look, good news, bad news. <laughs> good news, you will have to see save your three weeks. Bad news, you have to wait another year.
1: Yep. Got to push it back a year. Sorry. You can't schedule it for the next month. It's got to be a whole year.
2: Well, that's how those reservations go with the yeah. weddings, right? Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, we couldn't have a wedding last year because of COVID, um, and I was really surprised that we were able to you know, even have a you know pick up a date the following year because everybody from April on got canceled last year, and you have people that were already set up for 2021 and 2022. Like I'm surprised they even found an open spot for us, but they did. Where are you, you headed?
1: Gotta, yeah, I was about to say you got to tell everybody where you're going to get married. It's not like uh, yeah, you're here.
2: Positano, Italy is where we're getting where we're getting married on the Amalfi Coast. That just sounds like they'd have good pizza. <laughs> yeah, they got good everything out there. Good wine, good good pizza, pasta. It's uh, great views. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I've never been. Sam has, and I think that's part of the reason why we're getting married out there rather than somewhere else. But we're supposed to go out there a couple weeks early and do like the honeymoon vacation stuff before the wedding. Um, but we'll see, man. Might no. be in Indonesia instead.
0: Yeah, you'll be you'll be
2: backpacking action chill up the mountains of Indonesia, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But anyway, what else what else is going on in the world of the concrete industry post-COVID? Joey, speaking of you got something good for us here. I'm excited to hear about that. So
1: as uh as we all know, COVID has negatively affected most everything in our lives for the past year and a half. The one thing that it didn't really affect was the uh, overall uh, drug test positivity rate for marijuana in the workforce. You Um, don't say. (laughs) (laughs) As many people as were off work, you know, not doing anything, you know, the the workforce was lowered. The percentage of positive marijuana or positive drug or I guess marijuana, I guess it was just marijuana tests, uh, that stayed pretty constant. Uh, so in 2019, the overall, uh, marijuana positivity rate for, you know, drug testing in the workforce, it was a 4.5%. Well, in 2020, it dropped only, uh, 0.1% to 4.4%. So we're staying pretty steady. Uh, 2019 was actually a 16 year high for that rate. So after 16 years, uh, the positivity rate in 2019 jumped, you know, to 4.5%. As we all know that, you know, marijuana is becoming legal, you know, in a lot of states, you may still have, you know, it may be medicinal marijuana and then occasionally the recreational marijuana. So you may still have, you know, guys that are, you know, smoking on the side and boom, you get popped a random drug test and uh, there you go your, uh, your employer, I know some employers that, you know, kind of give a heads up on the side (laughs) for those those random drug tests, because maybe some of their best operators, you know, maybe they do whatever they want to do on the weekends and they don't need to lose those guys for however many weeks because of a positive drug test. But, uh, there are some other stats, you know, they broke it down to the federal workforce and the general, I guess the civilian workforce, um, they broke those down into their own rates. The federal work federal workforce in 2019, that positivity rate was two point four percent. So if you're a federal employee, if you know federal employees, two point four percent of those people are probably high while they're doing their job.
3: Um, <laughs> and if you
1: and if you're in politics, there's no telling what kind of drug rates those guys.
0: Well, you only test it for marijuana, so <laughs> well that's true. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You get that good pol- politician money. You could probably afford better drugs and weed. Yeah,
2: yeah. They didn't test for the white collar drugs, did they? Yes, <laughs> <No>, sir.
1: <laughs> but then you know you got your county, local level guys where they get the local meth. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, speak for Tennessee all you want, yeah. brother. We're, we're high class up here in the middle. Lane. Yeah.
1: No, Balt- yeah, Baltimore's high class. Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I just love that if HR. At active minerals actually listen to our podcast Joey be signed up for that random drug test yeah. right now a <laughs>
1: hey, clean slate as far as drugs go bourbon and cigars I mean that's that's pretty questionable um, yeah. Uh, but yeah that so the 2020 uh, 2019 was 2.4 percent 2020 was 2.2 percent for uh, federal workers uh, it's still 10 percent higher than that 2016 uh, than 2016 rate and they kept comparing it to the 2016. You know rate but i never found that number so i guess they were just trying to hide it or something i don't know um the general workforce uh, in 2019 the the positivity rate was 5.3 percent the 2020 rate was 5.5 percent so we're still holding steady and that was 12.2 percent higher than the 2016 rate so That was a uh, that was pretty interesting to see that you know we're still holding strong in the weed department uh, in the workforce and that covid has not yet affected that part of our lives <laughs>
2: there's, a, there's a rookie numbers you got to bump those numbers up
0: <laughs> i I'm not a fan of the weed right like I don't do it I don't want anybody in my house doing it but i'm a I'm a big believer that like man whatever you want to do when you're yeah. away as long as you're not hurting anybody else and You still show up to work clean, you know, sober and productive. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really care what people do outside of their time.
2: Show up and do your job. And that's a great point. And that's something I wanted to bring up, too, is, I mean, you have new states all the time coming on board saying, yeah, we're going to legalize marijuana for medicinal purposes, for regular consumption purposes. It's all over the map. It's becoming less and less regulated all the time. But in today's climate, the construction industry is no different than any other employee driven industry out there, they're having a hard time getting people to come to work. So if you're giving out these drug tests because it's quote unquote company policy and you got some good employees that show up to work every day that are popping positive, what do you do? You don't fire a good employee this this day and age like you are literally in an ethical conundrum there at that point. It's like, so what do I do? Do I go through with the company policy and say, hey, man, we got to let you go? Or do I keep that guy that keeps showing up to work every day? Do I keep him on the payroll and make this go away? Yes. Good point. Uh,
1: it's a strange situation to be in because on one hand, you know, you could have recreational marijuana, which is legal uh, in some, like you said, in some areas. And then if it's legal, you know, beer's legal, you know, liquor's legal, cigarettes are legal. I mean, you can't really put cigarettes in that department. But anyway, um, you could lay out, stay drunk all weekend and show up Monday morning and still have a trace of alcohol in your system, but you're there on time. Nothing's affecting you and you know the same could go with weed and your company is then put into a conundrum you know at then at that point it's just company policy it's not necessarily yeah. if it's legal or Ill- illegal um it's a company policy thing and that just may be something that needs to be revisited for some of these areas or for some of these companies uh, but like you said you can't you can't risk losing an employee or losing a week's worth of work from that employee you know, because I had a good time over the
2: weekend. Right. Right. Yeah, and and these, these rules are crazy, man. Do you know you have to be 21 to buy tobacco products now? Yeah. Where? Everywhere. It's federal now. Oh, it's now. federal.
3: Yeah.
0: No, did not know that. Well, I mean, I remember growing up in Alabama. it was 19. It's like you go to Tennessee. It was 18. Right. Mm-hmm. You're in Alabama. You had to be 19 years old. Yeah.
2: So it's 21 now. So essentially you could have a 20 year old employee with a dip in his mouth all day long during work and chances are no one's going to say anything about that. But then company policy is even though the state legalizes marijuana usage, company policy says you you can't and you can have somebody getting popped for, you know, a trace of THC in their bloodstream during that drug test. But meanwhile, a 19 year old can have a lip in all day long. Right. Well, no one ever said the rules had to make sense. I learned a long time ago you can't be more trouble than you're worth yeah. so oh great point yeah so
0: if, if you want to like joey you guys are saying like guy pops positive for weed over the weekend not not high at work we're talking about over the weekend on his own what caused any trouble that's so what he wanted to do medical or whatever uh but he pos uh, that he has trace in his system even though he's not high at work you know if that guy's super valuable he's probably not going anywhere but if you're a knucklehead you ain't showed up to work on time, not a single time in the last month. And, you know, you're, you're lazy and all that. Well, <laughs> well I'm probably going to let that guy go. But, hey, there was a stat the other day. You're talking about uh, people can't get people back to work. They're having a hard time in Pennsylvania right now, even having, uh, like, children's camps this summer. Like, they can't find enough counselors all because right. people are staying home. You know why they're staying home? Do you know what the maximum benefit is to a family of four, so a married couple, with two children, are going to earn one hundred and twenty thousand dollars this year in the state of Pennsylvania's household income by just staying home and collecting government checks. Yep.
1: Yep. But two employers are competing with you. Hear that all yep. the time about you know the benefits from un- unemployment. That's who they're competing with, and you. Yep. We, we talk about we talk about it a lot on this podcast, but yeah. Uh, kid fresh out of high school, what initiative do they have to go to work and earn a paycheck when you can, you know, wiggle your way into that situation and earn tens of thousands of dollars every year by doing nothing?
2: I got to take a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I got to compose myself.
0: But yeah, it's incredible. I mean, these small businesses and make no mistake, almost every concrete company falls in the small business category. How and small businesses can't compete with a government that has a license to print free money
3: yeah. and it's free for the
0: government. It's not free for the tax base yeah. or at least not long-term. And so uh, it, it's a tough situation and, uh, and i hate that for our small businesses, but there are a lot of states. In fact, I think half more than half the states now have rolled back those enhanced unemployment benefits. And I, those, in my opinion, those states are going to be the, the ones that take off and soar and we're going to see uh, quite the dichotomy between states that held on to those benefits and those that didn't. Yep, I believe you're right. I don't blame the people sitting at home collecting the money. And there's some people that it really does help. I mean, because there's places where you can't send your kids where you need to send them. And so you don't have any childcare options for your kids. The schools were closed. And somebody had to be home with the child. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you're going to get your entire salary replaced by enhanced unemployment benefits. Yeah, I'm
2: I'm not blaming the people for taking the money either.
0: I'm not either. And so there were some instances where that was legit. Mm -hmm. But the number of that isn't real. Because there was a story the other day where the governor of Montana gave an interview. And he said that there was a hotel uh, in Montana, a very popular hotel. But uh, when COVID hit, we all know the hotel industry was on its knees. And so now it's, it's standing back up on its feet. And the hotel manager is doing everything by himself. He's, he's running the front desk. He's cleaning the rooms. He's right. doing whatever he has. And uh, he was begging people to come to jobs, signing bonuses, anything. Get. And he was getting like three applications a month yeah. to come back to work. Then Montana s- cut off those enhanced unemployment benefits. And all of a sudden, dude had 60 resumes the first week yeah. that that was done.
2: Yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah. So my point is, is like, these things are happening and we're seeing it and, and concrete companies are small businesses. Mm-hmm. So as they started to compete for that talent, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to those those guys and I really hope that uh, they're able to pick up the talent they need in this environment. We haven't talked to anybody in the concrete world about how inflation's hit the concrete market. We've seen it in the building market with uh, with wood and lumber, like that's been advertised pretty widely right. on the news. but. Never help talk to anybody about the concrete side of that. Uh, you know what, next time we have someone on here, we need to dive deep into that. It needs to be a, yeah, a point we, of discussion.
2: We got to get a numbers guy on here for sure. Yeah,
0: we got to do it. You know what, I actually, uh, I remember hearing a talk from a numbers guy. He's an economist uh, that uh, is focused on concrete. So you know what, we'll reach out to him, see yeah. if we can't get him on here.
1: Going back to you know the, the government subsidies, in those states where those unemployment checks are not going to get rolled back or anything, I wonder if you know small businesses would have to just like up their pay to compete with that. And I wonder, you know, if they have to have employ employees, are they just going to have to pay them more than the government is to get them to come to work because they need them that bad? And then if they do do that, I wonder what that's going to do to everything else. You know, if you're if you're if you're competing with the government, you know, let's say you know, you're making thirty thirty thousand $30,000 a year. That's the equivalent of about what, $15 an hour and some change maybe. Right. Um, so is the, are these local, are these small businesses going to have to offer like starting pay of $20 an hour to get people to come to work?
2: Well, to put it in perspective, uh, across the street from my race shop, there's a, a gas station, a Rudders gas station. Rudders is a, is a very well-known um, regional convenience store, gas station company. They're offering 1850 to start. Entry level employees that work at a convenience store are getting 1850 to start with a uh, $500 bonus at their 90 day review. Yeah. so there you go. Well and that that's downstream.
0: I mean, they're just passing way that along. Downstream. Well, yeah. they're just passing that along to us.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then down the street there's a Royal Farms, same exact business model, same exact concept. They're offering the same thing with like I think like a six hundred dollar bonus at ninety days <laughs> or something like that. Like so. Yeah, man.
0: That's that's wild. Well, hey, let's uh let's get into something that we actually do love talking about. <laughs>
2: right. Please. <laughs>
0: And that is uh, technology in uh, our industry. And there is an artificial intelligence that is coming to the cement side of the business. So this was pretty interesting. as uh, There was an announcement made about uh, another round of financing as millions and millions of dollars are getting poured into this company. And it's called SIBO, S-E-E-B-O dot com. And they've got an artificial intelligence that is actually able to see the inefficiencies in a production environment that is dealing with natural products. So they're looking to take that technology and bring it over to the cement industry. So these guys have already raised millions and millions of dollars. They've gone through a couple of rounds of financing. they just got tens more millions of dollars uh, dumped into them because of the success they had at places like Nestle. And so, you know, they've got quite the setup going And I know that our listeners are interested in that type of technology like we are. So these guys are able to take massive amounts of data and distill it and tell you where the inefficiencies are, even in a cement making manufacturing process. So, you know, where are the inefficiencies when you're making the clinker, you're grinding the clinker, you're blending your products, like everything. So it takes a, a whole approach there, a holistic approach, and then says, all right. Here's where the inefficiencies were, and they improve your inefficiencies by, let's just say, let's make up a number like 10%. And and they do that through artificial intelligence. And then once they've been established in your business and they find out like what the product's supposed to look like so they can see like which variables are quote-unquote correct values, then they can go in and start making predictive models. So if they see things, so if the, so if the AI picks up on fluctuations here and there in the in the manufacturing process then they're like whoa whoa whoa, hey you need to fix this change that do this because now they're going to prevent the inefficiencies from happening and prevent that yield loss and i just thought that was one of the coolest things i've heard from in the cement side in a while
2: that's awesome so basically they're taking multiple sensors and just condensing all that information into an algorithm that produces something that's easy to read track and follow and
0: exactly and so um, they're going to assist the cement operators. I'm, I'm going to quote here, assist cement operators in reducing kiln feed variants and improve clinker quality, increase the kiln throughput, extend the refractory service life, optimize the pyro processing temperatures along with fuel and energy consumption, plus lowering emissions and associated exhaust treatment costs. And so they're going to look at all those variables, uh, everything that comes in, and if, and if they... Uh, get integrated into your system, and and the machine learning takes place. It'll start reducing uh, all the inefficiencies, which will boost yield and boost quality. And man, that's that's probably one of the coolest things I've heard
2: of on the cement side in quite a while. That's awesome. And then of course they threw in the reduce emissions there at the end. So yeah, you knew that was coming. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, if if they truly can, it'll be a lot easier to sell this sell this uh platform to manufacturers
0: yeah which you you touched on the uh the emissions so i want to hit on a, another article and by the way both of these articles i found are both uh in the concrete products magazine um so the other one I, I saw is that california cement producers are really trying to go uh neutral carbon neutral in their operations and they, they want to be net zero carbon neutral operation by 2045. So they're giving themselves 25 years. You know, I, <laughs> you, you read these things about having a carbon neutral cement manufacturing process, and you just, it's hard not to want to roll your eyes. It's hard not to want to be like, you you're literally burning calcium carbonate. Like, I literally
2: you- just—I literally rolled my eyes. I don't know if you made that comment because you watched me do it, or if that's just your—if <laughs> that's just what you do as well. But I literally just sat here and rolled my eyes. <laughs> so, great. So I, I know my audience. So
0: the—you uh, know—it's interesting because you're burning calcium carbonate. So of course, car- carbons <laughs> come off of that. So how do you—you know—how do you do it? And you know, these guys. Um, these guys understand it's a bold goal and I just loved this passage from it because it is like as happy as they are when they're talking about it, like yes we're going to go to these new you know greener initiatives and all this talk that we all know is just a you know word salad and all this and then they they actually said in there is it, it was many of the technologies fuels materials and processes for dramatically reducing the industry's emissions footprint already exist although statutory regulatory and permitting hurdles, market acceptance barriers, cost challenges, and supply limitations delay or constrain the deployment. Yeah, you don't say.
2: Like, yeah, that's like, <laughs> 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 Thus, why we roll our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's an empty goal. It's something that sounds real nice. If you're the CEO of a company, you can say, well, we're going to be – carbon neutral, or if you're a politician, it's like, it's my goal to help these people become carbon neutral. It's real nice to say, it's easy to say, but when you, when you look into what all needs to take place, one, is it even possible Two is it, is it realistic? Cause everything there's pros and cons, ebbs and flow. There's a butterfly effect to everything. So if, if you are to implement all of the technology you would need, all of the mechanical changes, all of the software that you would need to change, all of the regulatory things that would need to be changed to become cost neutral. Is it even worth it at the end? Is it possible? Sure. Is it worth it? Maybe. I don't know. Because you are affecting so many other things that people aren't even talking about. Yeah, you're not wrong. And um, uh, But I got another
0: stat out of this that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, this article uh, puts out another stat that says 34 State DOTS have adopted Portland limestone cement for use in state projects. There we go, and that was way higher than I would have thought it was because we're big proponents on this show of Portland yeah. limestone cement. Yeah, the one
2: L needs to happen, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you you want to talk about a way to cut carbon? You know, not having to use burnt up lime, just use regular limestone, and temp that replaces ten percent of your clinker. I mean, boom, you've just got an eight to ten percent. Carbon emissions reduction. Congratulations! It's that easy and at equal performance. Right. You know, I, I mean, I hope that we'll start selling that at a equal price to standard Type One Two, and we can get this thing in the market. But what's in, so so? What's interesting is thirty four state DOTS. Caltrans is not one of them. Isn't that something? How that works? Hmm. That that blew my mind. And you know, it's in Caltrans. is easy to work with. We worked, I mean, our product Actigel is approved. Uh, on their quality product list, we've done some massive jobs. Hello, Apple. We did some massive <laughs> jobs that have the Actigel product in it. But so to so to have an organization that's that open minded and and that easy to work with, and they haven't adopted PLC, like to me, that's step one. The Portland limestone cement, if it cuts ten percent of the CO two out of the cement manufacturing process, then you've just cut the CO two carbon footprint. Of a yard of concrete by two and a half to three percent and that is uh that is a that it, you should hang your hat on that yeah. like, that's a great thing to do um but as we all know the challenges of switching over to a new cement i mean you've only got one silo mm-hmm. and if you decide you're going to switch to a port limestone cement you are now not running type one two right. and you've you've got to convert every mix over to that and that's that's a huge process and a and a big risk for the ready mix guy, I mean, we understand that, and but we're advocates for the Portland limestone cement. We'd love to see that conversion happen. I just hope our friends in the cement industry, that listen to the show, uh, uh, you know, they know those challenges too, but they they want to stick to their guns. They're like, okay. oh, we're going to charge a higher price for this because it's a uh, specialty, and you know, we want everybody to switch to it at the same time because legislation's coming down the pipe. Well, you know what? Whoever makes those small concessions to say. We're gonna price this correctly. we're gonna push this correctly and we're gonna you know give favored nations terms to these guys who are gonna adopt this early. If you're the one that's actually in the marketplace selling this, you're gonna be so far ahead of everybody else when the legislation does count down the pike. All right I just it blows my mind.
2: It, it's almost like they're playing a game of chicken right now like not one side isn't willing to budge the the cement guys are saying well you're gonna need this eventually so we can just sit back with our arms crossed and wait for you to come to us or you can be an early adopter but we're not gonna go spend the extra money for to help you guys adopt this now we're just gonna wait until it's a necessity what's a risk for them too think about their supply chain these guys are manufacturing hundreds of thousands
0: millions of tons of cement every single year and how much of that's being imported yeah. So you've got massive contracts that they've probably signed for a certain period of time as well. And so how do you confirm that you've got enough people switching over that you can cut those imports and do it? I mean, it's it's tough, uh, but people are just going to do what they've always done. They're going to work together, and they're going to solve it. And, uh, and I, I mean, that's going to be the first big domino to fall, in my opinion. And it's going to be a question of who's going to be the first to get adopted from a smith side you know right. you got guys you know whether it's Bootsy or, or Argos or Mitsubishi or whoever who's going to go out there and, and Lehigh whatever right anybody LaFar Tolson, who's going to be first who's going to who's going to get out there and be that person that takes that initiative and makes this thing
2: happen I'm fascinated to watch it play out yeah you yeah, know well, it's something we'll definitely keep our eye on and if you listen regularly to the Add Ten Gallons Concrete podcast, you'll know before most people so where we got our ears to the ground for that, for sure. Dang straight. You heard it here first. <laughs> breaking news anytime it feels like breaking. Yeah, and <laughs> well,
0: that's like our uh, our new YouTube channel. New videos
2: every day, <laughs> 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 except for when there's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're gonna post after our world of concrete stuff. We'll have to go find something to do.
2: We'll figure it
0: out. Yeah. Hey, actually, you know what? This is a this is a great time to let people know that uh breaking news. We've we've been telling you guys, we got big things coming down the pike. Uh we can now announce this that we have hired a video editor. So we've uh you see if you've seen the the YouTube videos, you know, that's our new editor uh coming at it. Check out the latest one that posted today. Though actually there's gonna be more on there by the time you already listen to this, but go back and, and check out some of those videos and um, he's doing a great job for us and, uh, he's going to come on board and, and help out with the clips for this show and start expanding what we're able to do and offer the audience in terms of uh, video production and video quality, get these episodes out there. So, uh, we've got our own Jamie, yeah. if I, if we got people, uh, and he, he's, uh, he's encouraged us that if we get into a situation where we need something popped up on the screen during, uh, during our recordings, We
2: just holler out, Jamie, pull that up. (laughs) 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 Two things. It's awesome to have our our very own editor and producer. Also, if you're Jamie from the Joe Rogan podcast, like you're like a household brand name. Like you're like a Kleenex for a tissue. Like anytime someone refers to a podcast producer, it's always young Jamie from the (laughs) Joe Rogan (laughs) experience. Like you, sir, have made it in your industry. Congratulations. You are the benchmark. Yep. Jamie basically
1: so. Googles for a living, doesn't he? Like whenever he does, <laughs> he's
2: the fastest Googler in the West. Yeah. He's a
1: professional Googler. <laughs> we could all be so lucky.
0: So our editor actually texted me earlier and told us like, Hey, don't be afraid to shout out. Jamie Pull that up. Jamie's he was like, I'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. 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 All right, boys. Well, that'll do it for uh, episode 18's current event section. Uh, It was nice. It was nice catching up with you guys back to back to the way the podcast was uh, originally made to be. But uh, without further delay, we're going to hop into our guest here on episode 18. It's Adam O'Reilly with the Multicrete.
3: No problem. Adam, can you hear us? Loud and clear.
0: Okay. All right. Good. Because, I mean, I think the audience needs to know, first and foremost, that that is um a nice beard you have sir but maybe i haven't seen you in like five years because there's a whole lot of white going on there
3: i'm not getting any younger paul i have two boys They're 12 and 14 i have this little piece of property out here i'm not getting any younger i'm trying but i'm not gonna fight it either i'm not gonna get just for men so it is what it is
2: <laughs> i don't blame you there That's just more work. Trying to keep the gray away, that's just more work. And you probably got better things to do with your time, don't you?
3: It backfired on me. I looked like Hollywood Hulk Hogan the last time I tried it, so I swore off of it. No more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is George. You ragged over there.
3: I mean, what's going on? Yeah, we we've stayed busy through this whole thing. Very busy. There was a little pause initially to try and figure out what, what we could do, what we were allowed to do. And then it was all, once we figured that out, how to do it carefully.
0: Okay. Well, tell the people uh, who you are. Tell them a little bit about uh, Multicrete and what you're doing there.
3: I work for Multicrete. We're, uh, I guess, a Western Canada supplier of mainly dry bulk bags, cementitious products, whether it be shot creator grouts or dry bags of concrete that we ship up on winter roads and then they uh, uncover them and, and pour whatever they need to pour in the spring when the weather warms up. That's primarily what we do. We support mines. We support. Small communities, remote communities, that's enough.
0: Yeah, and uh, we met each other years ago.
3: Uh, I can't even remember. How how did we meet? Do you remember how we met? One of the ladies in our accounting group was looking for a silica fume replacement, and she stumbled upon your website and sent it to me, and we started looking at it, and we started conversations. And the next thing you knew, you three were in uh, Flon. Yeah,
0: yeah, we went all the way to Flon. So, yeah, for the people that don't know Flon is a nine-hour drive north of Winnipeg. <laughs> so that is way on up
3: there. Yeah, that's how we met.
0: So I remember, I remember our conversations here at Active Minerals on uh, the front end. We're like, why is this guy trying to send us to Flintfont? Like, is this a test? Does he not think we're we're crazy enough to go to Flon? By God, you know what? Now we're going to go to Flintfont just to spite him. Right, and we're going to show them that the Actigel works, and we're going to put it in some shotcrete.
3: <laughs> and it worked. And we're still using it. It goes into it goes into an awful lot of our product. So,
0: are we supposed to say full disclosure? Full disclosure. They actually buy Actigel. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, we we can let them know this isn't a shameless
2: plug after all. I mean, it's it's just a great podcast guest that happens to have experience with the Actigel yeah. product. That's all it is.
3: Don't let me step on any toes.
0: <laughs> no, man, never. All right. Uh, but like you said, Shot Creek was uh, the first thing we started playing with when we met you. And that's, you still do a lot of that, right? I mean, you were just uh, somewhere pretty far north the other day uh, doing some Shot Creek. Tell the people, when you go to these mines and these remote places, what's a day in the life like for you when you do
3: that? Get up, go have food at the camp, and then go get the job done. We were up at a, an abandoned uranium mine, and they wanted to sequester some low-active radioactive material. They weren't too worried about it, but they wanted to bury it and they want to put it up against the wall. So they asked us to seal up the wall. So we sealed up a wall. that was about 300 feet long and about 40 feet tall. Had little wrap rounds on the end. We put about 200 bags up there. How do you find jobs and projects like that? I
0: mean, is there, they, they, they just know to call Multicrete when they need shot uh, shotcrete spray up on a wall in crazy places?
3: There's only so many, I guess, producers slash application teams in Canada for the most part so if you look up shotcrete you'll find our website if you look up mining shotcrete you'll find our way if you look up anything shotcrete will show up we should be one of the first ones so there's others but
0: we're involved with a lot of shotcrete so we do uh whether it's mining stuff or bridge repair or or whatever's going on uh maybe you could uh, inform the audience a little bit uh what are the challenges that you face with mine shotcrete that Maybe guys that are building pools or bridges doing bridge repair you really aren't familiar with
3: the major one is clean up you typically don't have to clean up anything in a mine you cover it up and you have no waste essentially that you have to clean up it's just just makes another road helps build the road so doing residential stuff and within buildings that's for me that's the hardest part getting guys to clean up after themselves and not make a mess while you're trying to do it
0: oh that's interesting yeah because uh I remember the first thing I realized that was a difference was uh, you better plan the project correctly because you're not getting more material for a while. Like if you need 10 bags, you better have 10 bags. You better not need 11. You better have 10 because you're a long way from uh, where you're going to get those bags. That's cost you a lot of money to get it there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) A previous project was remote. They ordered 150 bags. It wasn't enough. They ordered another 50 bags. It wasn't enough. They ordered another 140 bags. It was more than enough. So now they're sitting on about 80 bags, but it's cheaper for them to sit on it than it is to ship them back. So remote, yeah, you're right, Paul. You gotta have what you need and more of it.
0: Yeah, and you need a guy like Adam O'Reilly who's willing to work himself to death to right. uh, come all the way out in the middle of nowhere and make sure these jobs happen.
3: They treat you pretty, pretty good. It's nice to get away from the office not hammering on the keyboard, actually getting into the field and doing something is it's a nice it's a little bit of balance. Right
2: now, we, we heard that we appreciate the opportunities to get out in the field, even into the lab sometimes is, is a welcome break for us. But you know, how, how did you get into that line of work? How did you did you start banging on a keyboard or did you start in sales or how did you get to remote parts of the country working with Multicrete doing shotcrete at these jobs?
3: I uh, I guess I stumbled upon an opportunity in the materials testing field years ago, and it started with testing concrete, and it worked to testing concrete in the lab, and so on and so forth, and now I'm running a paving lab. And I ran paving labs for about eight years, and George at Multicrete was looking for a QC tech or a QC fellow. He hadn't had much success, and he offered me an interview, and I went to the interview, and I wasn't wasn't sold on it. It would mean that I uh, had to give up my winters off with the paving, it was terrible to have to work spring, summer, fall, but no one had three months or four months of hanging at home with the kids. softened that blow. So I wasn't really keen on taking a Monday to Friday. And my wife convinced me that I needed a real job and I couldn't be a gypsy for the rest of my life. So I signed up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just I continue some of this gypsy stuff. You know, you got to go where the project leads, where they need you, where you need to figure something out or fix a problem. I, I typically don't get out for just run of the mill. It's uh, when the guys are struggling, they'll give me a call. They'll try to get me out there. That's where it started.
2: So that, that traveling, does it come in waves? Do you typically travel one or two weeks out of the month?
3: Are you, what is, what does your schedule look like? <laughs> the, there, there is no schedule. It's uh, whatever kind of has to happen. I, I don't get a lot of warning. Um, sometimes I take less warning than I probably should. I know something has to get fixed, so I'll go. We had an issue at a, at a plant recently, and they, they asked me if I could jump on a plane. I said, I, I'd rather just drive in the current situation. So I took one of the lab techs, and we drove to Edmonton. It's a 14-hour drive that afternoon. See you later. Got to go. And we fixed a problem, and we uh, the problem never got out of our plant. We fixed it at our level. So those are the things you kind of like doing. You don't want to have to, but if you can help your guys out, you do it. Right, right. Well, and, and you're talking about putting out fires and, and
2: fixing issues and trying to be proactive in some cases. But do issues typically stem from the same calls, or are you fixing QC things, or application issues, or are there just like certain restrictions with different jobs sites? Like,
3: what what is an issue? Explain what an issue is that you are alluding to. A lot of times, it's equipment. It's equipment issues. You've you've been out in the field and yeah. seen it, right? The guys are struggling to move something through a machine. The guys are struggling to fire up the machine. The guys are struggling, whether it's a growth pump or a concrete pump. Um, sometimes it's just mixing. It's not enough mixing time. It's too much mixing time. It's You're adding hot water. Why are you adding hot water? There's there's so many things that can go wrong with any sort of batch of anything concrete-related. You just start ticking boxes. This, OK, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. There's other things I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: you're one of the real innovators though uh not to toot your own horn too much for you here but you're always coming up with like some of the most innovative stuff where does that come from like what's your process there to find these outside the box things and start uh, trying to work
3: on them well i can't tell you all my secrets um largely it comes from from demand from outside right i don't sit in my basement and think Mm -hmm. about new and exciting products It, it usually comes from a demand whether it be an unrealistic strength requirement at an unrealistic time or they needed to set in, in freezing conditions and there's no heat up there like okay well what what has to happen to this stuff and then when you sort of figure out what has to happen to it and what it needs to do and how long it needs to stick around then you start playing with the admixtures you have an idea of your your cementitious content and you have an idea of your whatever SCMs you need and then what do you need it to do you can these days it's it's pretty forgiving you can make it do whatever you need it to to do if you got enough time and money right it doesn't happen overnight some things take a little longer I don't know if that's what you're looking for that's that's what we try to do it comes from outside and we, sometimes there's a uh, like a competitor's product and you'll have a look at that and see what it's capable of you read the tds okay it says a lot and then you get a sample and they're like it it doesn't do this we can do something that's better than this and then we'll dig at it and we'll dig and we'll dig and we'll dig until we've we've got something that we can, I guess, take the market.
0: How many guys do you have there in the lab with you that are tinkering?
3: It was never just me. I always had a couple guys working with me. Um, now we've got a guy that's got probably 25 years experience. The, the things that he can remember and just put into practice immediately without having to look it up. or He's a wealth of information, so he's made it easier. This is what we need to do. Can you help me out? And uh, yeah, you can make it happen. And then we've got a couple of young guys who have just finished some of their schooling and they're helping out where they can. We've expanded to incorporate, uh, I guess, some precast, some heavier duty precast elements, whether it be beams, piles, hollow core. So we're, we're checking that stuff out as the production testing. And then when there's time and when there's a demand, we'll, we'll tinker in the lab.
0: So let's let's go away from some of this uh crazy stuff i mean you've, you've done some really off the wall stuff but uh, i want to go uh, sort of dig at the nuts and bolts of it so when you start to design a shotcrete mix customer calls you and, and gives you a list of specs and says this is what i need i need to meet you know this set time and, and these are the conditions and you know, this is this is what i'm looking for out of a shotcrete how do you set out and design a shotcrete mix
3: i would I would say there's nothing new. Everything has been done before. You have a little library of things that have worked in the past, and you build off of that. I don't know if I'm oversimplifying it, but that's everything's been done before. It's just adding water to cement, right? It just add ten gallons. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I'm not. I'm not saying it's voodoo. Uh, so I'm interested in different people's methods. So I have a method for how I design my mixes and. I'm curious on how other people design theirs. And, you know, if you're, if your method is that I go off past history, uh, that sounds like a pretty, pretty solid recipe. Uh, but, but as we, Josh and I travel the country, uh, meeting all kind of concrete people, whether they're in the lab, they're in the field, academics, whatever, we meet all kinds of people. And I feel like, uh, what we learn is that everybody's talent for making concrete is a little bit different. And what, appears to be a science ends up being more like an art form and some people are so good at baking these concrete cakes that they should be given hgtv shows on how to make concrete because they're just that talented at it and other people probably shouldn't have a job so it's interesting to see these and and the same way you might want to ask uh A really good chef like man like what's your secret like how you know how are you making these dishes that are so tasty when I meet guys like you Adam and I realize that your talent I want to know how'd you bake that cake like what's your process to make this shot create the best that it can be so I got to ask and even if your answer is you put it in the oven at 425 for an hour and come back you know and see if it's done you know that's fine but uh, yeah I wanted to know a little bit of the secret sauce here what makes you so good man
3: (laughs) it's fast Trial by design. I, you, you always have an idea of what it needs to do. You always have an idea that, and there's these chemicals can, they can hold it back for a while, or they can speed it up, or they can do anything. They can make it corrosion inhibited. They can, yeah, they can reduce permeability. So that all these things have to be considered. You kind of pick a cement percentage of what the mix is, and then start tinkering in the lab. I guess some guys don't have a lab to play with. Oh, our first trial, we were eighty-seven MPA at four days. Well, we don't need that, so we can cut it back okay now we've got our strengths in line now now what do you want to look at our air is our air good okay they want a little air there well, let's let's see what we need and there's a history you've got this tds this series of tds is there's no i don't know i don't have any secrets for you, it, paul it's it's uh it's experience it comes with experience i guess and, and being able to take a few risks
0: we're not let down by the fact that uh experience you bring experience to the table that's how uh, you've gotten good at designing concrete is however many years and years of uh, working in the trenches you just have an idea of what works to solve the customer's problem and if you don't know it right away, you tinker to
3: figure it out that's a great answer the guy who I work for allows us to make mistakes and he allows us to tinker and he allows us to rework and he's been doing this for forty years so if we run into a you know a problem, he's usually got a piece of advice that's gonna help us so I, I can't take all the credit by no means. I did have a follow-up
2: question regarding uh, chemicals and all the different options that you have with uh, chemicals today. And you alluded to it being one of the main proponents you can use to tweak a mix is, you know, there's so many different chemical options out there that do so many different things. And with your vast experience, is the element of chemicals and the availability of so many different options, is that something new or is that something that has
3: kind of exploded? recently i wouldn't say it's new there's always been some of the basics but they they do seem to evolve a little bit super P's are lasting longer retarders have better effect we're not using we're not using human byproducts to retard our concrete mixes so they've always been there we deal with I, i guess you'd say all the big players so i can i can use brand x and use brand c and use brand b interchangeably within a mix or have them working together or the odd time they, they don't work whatsoever i got a pretty big cookie jar that i can dig from to make what what has to work work so i, I wouldn't say it's new but it it's evolving
0: are you doing all powder additives because it, you know we work mostly in ready mix and so a lot of those guys have never even seen a, a plasticizer that's in powder form
3: We've got everything in powder form. The only thing that I struggle to find is a retarder that's as potent as the liquids. We've got powdered everything else. Mm -hmm. Everything else. And it's convenient. You're not paying to ship water.
0: Because everything here is pre bagged.
3: Majority. The majority of it. We do have a couple of ready mix plants, but the majority of our work, yes, is pre bagged.
0: Are your ready mix plants uh, strictly sending out shotcrete, or y'all doing it's full service?
3: It's full service. Yeah, we're set up in small communities in the north, and whether it's a you know driveway, a patio, whatever, yeah, we're we're there for it. A lot of those ready mix trucks deliver to the mine as well, whether it be wet mix shotcrete thrown down a slick line or wet mix shotcrete thrown into a transmixer in the, at the surface and taken down to the site. Um, most of our our mine setups have small plants that we've built underground, I guess, to receive and and turn our dry product into a fluid mix that they can transport, saving that time. But they're hauling bags down to their plants or we've promoted and we've, I guess, proven a dry slick line. And I could go on if, if that's of any interest. I could tell you a few things about a dry slick line that you may not know.
0: <laughs> yeah well most people that are listening to this probably have no idea what you're even talking about a dry slick line. so let's educate the audience go what is a dry slick line how's it work and then i've got a story for you about mine shotcrete going in a translator uh, underground that you're going to get a kick out of
3: but you first sir okay uh we we produce dry shotcrete all you really have to do is add water when you get underground but to get underground you've got to take it either in bulk or by bags and in bulk you may have a like a a uh, tanker, I guess, and uh, a receiving hopper on the surface. And this stuff gets metered down and goes down through a, a dry pipe and essentially floats on a cushion of air as it's dropping to the bottom, dust becomes an issue. We found ways around that. And then uh, wear and tear is essentially nothing because there's, there's very little weight to it as it's floating down this, these steel pipes that are four or six inch diameter to a receiving hopper on the bottom. The receiving opera in the bottom is all plc controlled and they just push a series of buttons and it does everything and makes them load loaded into their transmixer and away they go we feed it from the top it rides down a cushion of air essentially and right into the plant down whatever a mile below the surface if they need to that's that's what we do
0: when you're uh, when you're putting it down the the dry slick line as you call it it's still pipe how how are you controlling that dust number one and How is it not slamming into that receiving hopper at 100 miles an hour and destroying everything?
3: The WAM dust filters do a fantastic job. I I won't get into them, but you create a negative pressure within the vessel that's receiving it, and you filter the the air coming out of it. And as far as not breaking apart, use something called, I guess, a boot, where the material changes direction. You leave a little extra pipe with a cap on it, And the first thing that gets hit is the material sitting in that little pocket before it changes direction so there's no wear on the pipes because it's it's just wearing on itself i guess
0: wow that's fascinating i didn't even think about that yeah so you have almost like a small diverted section there that's a build up of material yep and that uh that sent ricocheting in the other direction without destroying the pipe every time it has a bend in it
3: that's right ideally it goes straight down the pipe okay I got a story for you,
0: sir. Uh, it was in a, a incredibly remote area, and they were doing a shotcrete uh, in their underground mine. It was a fly-in, fly-out mine out of the middle of nowhere. And they said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll show you a shotcrete operation." And they had a, a small batch plant on site, and it was basic, bare bones. Like pull the levers on the plant to load enough sand and cement right and they're just timing like one two three let go one two three let go one let go and that was how they got their sand cement rock whatever portions and uh that was fine <laughs> whatever if, uh, you know I'm not gonna sit here and redo their whole shot operation I'm just there to try and help and I said okay well what kind of slump are we looking for they said no 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 we're gonna get a spread mm-hmm. on this shot creep and then we're gonna put it in the transloader we're gonna head it it's gonna head down I said, oh spread all right They're like, yeah we're going to lose a little bit of slump on the on the drive underground i was like oh okay well okay what well, what kind of spread are we getting so they make the they make it it's a dry batch plant so they batch it in the in the uh, drum of a ready mix truck let it spin for a little bit and they pour it out adam i'm telling you it was concrete soup the the spread the quote unquote i'm doing air quotes for the audio version of this podcast the spread of this concrete was the dimensions of the container that they put it in (laughs) so they they had put it in this square box that had like a, um, a several inch high lip on each end of this square box that was like 36 inches from one corner to the other corner if you measured by the corners rather than the sides and they're like oh this one's a 36. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a 36-inch spread. This is concrete soup. What are we doing? I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And they, they were just as serious as could be. They are like, oh, 36. And I, I am like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? So they say so load the concrete into the Normant. They called it a Normant, but it was a transloader made by Normant. And they uh, they, they screwed the top of it back on or whatever, however they uh, put the top back on after loading the six-yard transloader, and and they're using the transloader, of course, because of the height of the tunnel, they had to get a smaller vessel in there to get it underground. So it starts turning. So the transloader is on a the the barrel, uh, the hopper of this transloader is on a crawl. It's just barely rotating. And immediately, immediately as it starts turning, water is gushing out of the lid on this transloader because it doesn't seal correctly anymore so it's drives underground it goes like almost a mile and a half underground to where we're spraying and we get under there and they go to unload it and they unload this wet mix shotcrete into a dry gunite hopper like the one that's got like the carousel like it's a like it's a six shot revolver yeah. and uh and, and each <laughs> and where the bullet would go in the in the revolver it's like you're you're loading concrete into each one of those. And as it spins around, it should be shooting that dry, uh, cartridge of, of, gunite through the line, but they're using it with wet mix. And, and so it goes through it. They're dumping it out. And so we're slumping it back down there by the time it had made it underground, that, that 36 inch spread in the pan was now a six inch slump concrete in this gunite hopper. Uh, and one, like one, one truck was a six-inch slump. The other truck was like an eight-inch slump. They were just kind of guessing. They were trying to get as close as they could. And so they're filling this thing up with this loose concrete, and they're just nailing it with like eight ounces of accelerator, and it's sticking to the ceiling, like and as hard as a rock instantly. And it was the most incredible shotcrete operation I've ever seen.
3: They're the guys working under it. <laughs>
0: i don't i don't remember really how many stacks of cement was in that thing but i hope it i'm sure it was enough whatever it was that it was it was incredible incredible that they had designed their mix around the leaky norman
3: (laughs) that's hilarious i'm sure they could have done other things a little routine maintenance like you know a rubber gasket that's why you get called in
0: at the end of the day, that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen on a job site. What about you? What's one of the craziest things you've ever seen on a
3: job site? I I, I don't know, Paul. I was I've been thinking about it for a while, and it doesn't seem that it, it they don't seem that crazy. Uh, guys loading dry bags into a transmixer or transloader. The back hatch is open. They put in their four or six bags, and then they had a fire hose. It was a fire hose. It was a two inch fire hose. They had the back cap off the transloader, and they just stood there. The one guy had a cigarette. I think you got enough water. Oh no, we gotta keep her going, man. You gotta keep her going. And the same thing, it's it's garbage. <laughs> it's soup, and they take it away, and they oh it's plugging up the pump. Well, y- yeah, all your stones are falling out of suspension. You've got you just push your, all your paste off. It's yeah. Well, your mix is no good. Well, no, our mix is fine. So crazy things like that are they crazy no That you just got to help them out show them show them how it can work a little differently and you usually get pretty good reception unless they think you're coming to change the way they're doing it or or throw them under the bus
0: yeah well we, we didn't mention any names here no. but brother that's crazy that's crazy
3: seen it watched it it happens more often than you probably probably want to admit so that's when we get a phone call your mix is no good. We do see
0: some crazy stuff, and we laugh about it because, like, this concrete, you know, it builds the world we live in. And, you know, it's the, the houses we're in, and the the multi level buildings that you know, where there are hotels or or offices or whatever, and they all got concrete. And we've all all of us in this industry have seen people that do stuff that you're you're like, why? Why are you doing that? What are you doing? Like, well, there's no reason to, to do that. In fact, it's unsafe to do that. Right. And and still, you know, here we are. We're all we're all still standing. None of these buildings are falling over. <laughs> and sometimes you just gotta kind of shake your head a little bit.
3: They're not all standing, unfortunately.
0: Right. Yeah. The uh, the I mean the New Orleans hotel that build uh, that was one, and then the uh, another recent one. There was a precast bridge at a university in the United States. Yeah. Um. I don't. University right offhand, I think I do, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to put the wrong university. Out there. <laughs>
3: Maybe it's better that we don't put any other information out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the common people, and uh, and Adam O'Reilly, you're you're one of the people that are uncommon in a common industry, and uh, that's why we like having people like you on. And I'm glad you guys survived the pandemic because uh, down here in our, uh, we have certain states in the United States are a little bit more controlling than others, and the state that I live in very controlling at first um, and including the concrete industry shut it down uh, one of the only states in the whole country that shut down uh, construction it's pretty crazy uh, and you know some of the regulations and in, uh, in canada can be kind of stringent at times um, so i was surprised i'm happy to hear though that you guys really weren't affected uh, what were some of the challenges that you did face um, as you waged war with shock crete through the pandemic
3: I guess the testing and, and making sure you're you're not going out to a place and bringing something with you, and then on the return side, getting tested again to make sure you didn't bring anything back. Um, we, I, my family and I have, were set up to it, it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that big of a deal. You missed some, um, some big events, family personally, but work, I was able to sort of skip through what needed to be skipped through. Thankfully, dodged that bullet, never felt ill, never had a positive test um, a lot of testing a lot too many times having that swab thing up my nose so they could go to some remote mine in the middle mm. of nowhere for two weeks only to be tested on the way home so that I didn't bring home the wife and kids and, and see where it goes from there that, that was I would say the biggest um, misinformation you know very early nobody really knew what we were up against there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of maybe unjust fear. Um, I think that is flip-flopped. We here in Manitoba, this weekend, were given the, the ability, or it was not illegal anymore, to have guests over at your home. Last week, we could not have any guests inside of our, our household bubble. So if my mother-in-law wanted to come over for a coffee, No. If the boys wanted to have a friend over no it, it was happening right not necessarily here but it, there were people being ticketed for it i don't know how many other police states are out there but yeah there's there's tickets and fines being issued regularly up here um not so much in, in other parts of canada but that, that's the i guess that's the angle our uh, our leaders took to try and smarten some of us up I, I don't know. It's crazy. It's been wild. And then we watch uh, the playoffs. We can talk about hockey if you want a little bit from Canada. Uh,
0: Yeah, love to. (laughs) I love your T-shirt, by the way, for the people who are listening to the audio version. He's got a spit and chiclets, uh, Barstool's uh, hockey uh, program. Uh, He's got a spit and chiclets shirt on. I absolutely love that. That makes me smile. Uh, Yeah, we're in the middle of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, and I'd love uh, to hear your take on it.
3: Going back to not having any friends or any family at your home and sitting down and watching 39,000 people fill a stadium. It kind of feels like uh, what what's going on? How are they there and we're here so It's taking some adjusting it, We'll get over this again. We'll get over this you guys have gotten over it and you're you're past the, the third wave Then it's gray skies are going to clear up. I guess Watch hockey.
0: Yeah, and I think you, you told me when we talked before that uh, Winnipeg really did get hit hard. It, it really was bad there last year. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, it got, it got hit typically hard, I think. A lot of communities got hit real hard. <laughs> we're not going to solve the pandemic issues. Not the ones we're having here, not the ones you're having down there. For the most part, I think most people are trying to do what's best for – them and for others so
0: well man my feelings got hurt by canada pretty hardcore because of the hockey thing let me tell you what happened. so josh and i as a lot of people listening to the show already understand we were in canada for two weeks to quarantine so that we could go to a remote mine uh similar to you uh, adam our job requires that every once in a while so uh we, we had to quarantine for two weeks so we get up there and right after we came back the Canadian government told the NHL players that they could freely travel back and forth from Canada to the U.S., that they didn't have to quarantine for two weeks. And I want to know what makes them so God dang special <laughs> that they, they get to skip all the quarantine rules.
2: Because money talks, that's why.
3: <laughs> <laughs> money talks, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you're not so special, Paul, but maybe it's that you don't make five or six or eight million or 12 million a year to play a sport. Love, or maybe you hate it by now. I don't know. It's strange. It's th- the rules that are, <laughs> they're, they're making are strange. Some of them don't make any sense, but they're trying to do their best. So I, I'm not going to raise any flags and try to change it. Let's just get through it and don't pay attention to what's being said on social media for Pete's sake, because it'll drive you it crazy. So, well, speaking of
2: of doing our best, Adam. I mean, we're certainly going to do our best to continue to do our jobs to the best of our abilities, as as we know you will. Do the same and uh we really appreciate your time here today uh appreciate the information that you shared with us and, and the stories that you shared with us and hopefully we can have you on again sometime it works out very good very good all right sir thanks guys all right man bye
3: that's gonna do it for
2: this episode of the Ad 10 gallons concrete podcast one final thanks to adam uh, thanks to Actigel 208 our presenting sponsor and thanks to you the listener for listening along with us. Uh, be sure to search us out on social media for our facebook instagram and youtube pages you can find us by searching Ad 10 at 10 pod at 10 gallons and search us out and give us a like and a review for this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about us we appreciate seeing those viewership and listenership numbers continue to increase and we'll continue to bring you content from all over the concrete industry Uh, right here on the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. So until next time, y'all be good.